Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Welcome to your Thursday morning. It's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Today, I'm joined as is per the usual. Got a little bit of fist pump in the same room. My captain, my co-host, the CEO, yeah, the man who puts the nut into coconut. We're going on a little bike trip today. Right after we get done recording this podcast, I'm pumped up to go up to the middle of the island, see some mountains. I don't know, hang out in a spa retreat or do something cool, play it by ear. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll share with you how to add those critical few percentage points onto your productivity every day. And as you know, two to 3% extra productivity compounded over time, man, that makes a big difference. And Ian's gonna share with you a black hat stunt, a black hat stunt that he's all pumped up about. How you doing today, Ian? Boom, doing good. Excited to go up to Ubud, been enjoying my time here in Bali with you, and uh, let's get rolling. What's not to like? Shouts, news, questions. Tropical Talk Radio has seven five-star iTunes reviews. Thank you very much. If you guys have not yet listened to Tropical Talk Radio, if you want to hear Ian and I cuss a lot, talk about our half-developed, asinine political philosophies and other useless things, please check out tropicalmba.com or check out iTunes. Tropical Talk Radio. A big thanks to DCer and podcast supporter listener Matthew Paulson. Hell of an entrepreneur in his own right. I love the guy. Straight talk. But last week, uh, the LBP was on its knees. Yeah, I'm not sure how many of you noticed that. We were frantically trying to get the site back up. Matthew Paulson, he pops onto Twitter, jumps into our accounts. He eased my anxiety at the time. I was pretty worked up about it. But uh, it turns out robots were attacked. We got a qu- thanks, Matt. We got a question from K Orr. I'm sure I'm like a lot of your listeners, dying inside of a cubicle, slowly trying to work my way out. Is it possible to just hop on a plane with one savings, go to Bali, Manila, Bangkok, or similar, and learn the skills, you guys, while you're actually in paradise? So can you learn the skills, boots on the ground, when you get here? How much savings are we talking about? That's the critical question, right? Yeah, I'd say maybe if you had a couple grand, yeah, you could probably swing it. Sure. So that's happened to us before, right? People have just kind of shown up and and we've given them a job. So I think you have to do this strategically. You have to align yourself. You can't just show up and hope that you're going to start earning income. I mean, you got to have some kind of plan. For example, uh, we had a design intern in California, two interviews, flew across the country. I didn't even ask him to fly across the country. Flew across the country, showed up and was like, can I please have a job with you guys? I'll work for free. I just want to learn. Of course you can have a job. Yes. Now his his uh, portfolio was awesome. I was yeah. planning on giving him a job anyways, but cat on the doorstep. You know, I'll give a, I'll give the contrary perspective of this. Uh, you know, when Ian, when you think about the like, there's the triangle of currencies. There's the mobility, and there's time, and there's cash. And when people learn about this in the Tim Ferriss book, The Four Hour Work Week, they start to play with this, and that's what we did. I was like, all right, well, I'll make less cash, and I'll get more of these other currencies. Well, the number one thing that I see the people that make the biggest mistake they do is they trade all the other currencies for the mobility. Because they're like, woohoo, I 
get to travel. And they run around and they blow their life savings doing a round-the-world trip, and yeah. then they land themselves back in a job back home. See it happen all the time. I was just talking to Travis the other day, and he said, I would not leave North Carolina, my hometown, until I had $1,000 a week in income. Now, that's higher than you need, Yeah. but it's the same thing that we did, Ian. I think there's a big difference between traveling and baselining. So if you can come out to Bangkok, you can live in Bangkok for $1,000 a month, if you're really tight, you could live in Bangkok for $1,000 a month and still go home for Christmas. You can probably live in Bali for cheaper. I went to Warong Mura yesterday. It was 13000 for a very nice lunch. Okay, that's about $1.50. You eat there twice a day. You stay in a $200 coast. You know, the thing about Bali, though, is there's just so much luxury creep. Yep. It's like so hard. Yeah, you're not going to potato head at night. <laughs> it's so hard not to spend money. Can you learn this stuff on the road? Absolutely. You can do anything you want to do. Just... Don't blow it, man. Don't blow that wad. Here's what I would say. As a business person, all of this should be about reducing your expenses. Whatever you can do to have the lowest expenses, if that's one piece of advice you take away, is generate more income than you spend always and forevermore. Never take another loan. Never get yourself into a long-term lease engagement that you haven't covered in cash. You know, never, ever, ever, ever do that. So if that's Manila for you, if that, it's not gonna be Manila, trust me. Bangkok, go for it. If it's Bali, go for it. If that's Asheville, North Carolina, more power to you. Business first, the lifestyle follows. All right, let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes today. I was so pumped to sit. Tim Connolly is a guy that we actually speak with on a weekly basis. I admire his show. I love the guy. He's given us incredible advice and feedback on how we can grow our business. And today I sat down with him to talk about how you can get a content-oriented personality business, kind of like Ian and I are doing here with our podcast, how you can get one of those off the ground. Yeah, sorry I missed this, guys. I was sick as a dog. That's not true. You were probably <laughs> off swimming in the ocean having some fun. I know you. All right, I got my good friend Tim Conley on the horn. Here's the interesting thing. Here's the backstory here. We would be on the horn anyway. I just happened to hit the record button. Tim, as many of you know, is on my regular mastermind call, and I've learned a ton from him. So welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, Tim. I can't believe it's taken us so long to get you on the show. What's up, Dan? What's up? It's great being here. Yeah, we tried this uh, last week. And I think four times in a row, we tried to hit record and internet just wasn't in our favor. Yeah, the company policy is that we don't say anything bad about Bali, Tim. So we're going to edit. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the internet in the United States, that, yeah. was, that was messed. It was my, my 50 megs down that was the problem. Precisely. So I met you, basically I was a fan of you before we started getting on the horn together. And... I remember driving through the California canyons, listening to you and Izzy talk about content businesses at foolishadventure.com. And what's sort of interesting about you is you're like the reluctant podcaster, the reluctant internet marketer. <laughs> you are like this high business consulting, internet consultant guy, and all of a sudden you get pulled into this world of podcasting. So I'm curious as to how your idea about podcasting evolved. Like when you and Izzy sat down at the beginning, did you even know what podcasting was at that time? I mean, how did you get into this whole mess? Oh yeah, you know, I'd been listening to podcasts for quite a few years. And so I knew what podcasts were and being in the internet world is kind of hard to not know what's going on out there and still be taken as credible. So <laughs> yeah, I, I knew what they were, I just never did it. I'd even considered trying to do my own podcast 
years before, it just wasn't me. I mean, I, I don't, I stutter. I, you know, it's like, I've got all kinds <laughs> of issues with you know talking and everything, but I love what I do. I love this whole internet business thing and I love working with other people. And so Izzy twisted my arm and we sat down and just started recording. And it was stuff that we were going to talk about anyways. That's how Foolish Adventure got started. It was just stuff we talk about. I see the Foolish Adventure show as kind of like a sister show to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. And I also see uh, like Startups for the Rest of Us. They're all sort of the same size of shows. They're all very honest and real. As a fan of the Foolish Adventure Podcast, that's what I was attracted to. Tell me the story of like, you guys are about on 80 episodes too. How has the progression gone for you? At the beginning, was this just like... I mean, at what point did you think it was you were on to something? And I'm especially curious as to how did you get people to listen to your show at the beginning? Initially, what we did uh, at the very beginning was Izzy already had, he had his list, right? Because he, he'd already been a podcaster. And then I had lists that I was connected to. I was connected to people. I did a lot of networking from behind the scenes. I didn't do like a mass mailing to a list. I went out to all my friends in the business world, the business community and said, hey, I'm going to be doing this thing. Do you mind telling people on your list that they should go listen to it if they're interested in this thing? And on launch day, I had on the very first day, I think we had over six or seven thousand uniques. Wow. That day. Yeah. So I remember listening to say episode number 19, driving in California. At that time, you already had a significant audience listening to the show. Right. Yeah. We just, we just went out and hit up everybody we knew. Right. <laughs> Cause I like, I've been behind the scenes in a lot of different things. So I, I knew a lot of people and I knew that the people that they were connected with had an interest in what I had to say. And then Izzy, his people had an interest in what he had to say. So when you put the two together, it just kind of worked out. You had a great jump start then. We've been talking at the house here a lot lately about this concept of runway and how right. how important it is to pull together a long runway and to keep that momentum going. At what point were you like, wow, this FAA podcast, this is gonna be something. When, when did that mental transition happen? Like, oh, this is fun, I'm doing it with my friend Izzy, to all of a sudden like, wow, this is a business. I think we really started pushing it like a few months later. I said, you know, let's test this thing. We've got these people listening and let's test to find out if anyone's even interested in buying something from us. So I connected with a guy who had a really good instructional program on how to use WordPress for like small niche sites. And I said, okay, let's, why don't we do a joint venture? You've got the content, but it's not selling. So how about I figure out a way to sell this thing and we split the income. Mm -hmm. And I did, and we did that. That was the first launch kind of thing we did. And it made a decent amount of money. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So we know we have something here. And then I decided, hey, since I'm a big proponent of my hosting company, I'm going to pitch this, the, this affiliate thing. And they did a special Black Friday special or a Black Monday or whatever they call it. I did a promotion on that and that made several thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Then we launched our membership site at the end of January. That was pretty crazy for us because we had all this other stuff going on and we essentially built a membership site in less than a month because we decided to do it before the 
before the 1st of January and then started building it in January. Wow. So by the end of January, we launched a membership site with a bunch of content already inside of it. <laughs> so we, we were like working really hard. It was never like, oh, this is going to be huge. We never once really thought this thing's going to be huge. We just thought, hey, you know, let's just keep doing what we really enjoy doing. And as long as it's fun and maybe we make some bucks out of it, it'll be cool. You know, that's one of the things about FA that is appealing about your sales process is that you guys are so unneedy. It's always like kind of, hey, take it or leave it. Like we're, we've been in this game for 13 years. It doesn't all hinge on these next two weeks or whatever. I'm curious from the inside of a pro, you've been at this for 13 years now? Yeah, ju yeah, just over. So were you anxious when you made that launch? Like what was your emotional process? Were you scared? Or at that point were you just like, ah, you know, screw it. Every single launch, <laughs> I'm scared shitless. Um, it's the excitement. You've had that feeling of excitement. If you've ever gone on stage to speak in front of a, right. uh, an audience, those butterflies and everything, every single time, whether I'm doing it for a client or doing it for myself, same thing happens. I just totally freak out like, oh my God, is anyone even going to buy this thing? Right. And to, be, and to be honest, there is some reason for that because a lot of those internet marketers won't tell you this, but sometimes launches tank. Oh, wow. And you know, Tim, now that I'm an internet marketer myself, it is true that you see behind the scenes that this stuff fails more, I think, than people, than I assumed. Put it that way. One of the things, Tim, that's been a watershed for me is being in a mastermind group with a guy like you and the other people that are in the group with us. And I'm curious as to how that's having mastermind groups has impacted your business. And now that your business partner, Izzy, has left the Foolish Adventure brand, how has that impacted, you know, this issue of accountability and like staying on task and how have you addressed that? Okay. Uh, I'm first awful at asking questions, by the way. Yeah, you're like, give, give, me, give me six. Okay, Go. so uh, question number one, <laughs> mastermind groups. Mastermind groups have been hugely influential to me to where I've even paid huge dollars to be a part of mastermind groups. And I've mentioned on my show, my mentor, Joe Polish, brilliant dude, ton of fun. I actually joined his mastermind program years ago paid him a lot of money just so I could get access to him. Right. The mastermind group was just like a benefit. Right. But the rest of it was just getting access to Joe and connecting with him and becoming friends with him and just learning everything that I could from the guy. And then I've had masterminds with peers, uh, just uh, where I connected with peers, put them together, and we just got on the phone and talked, did that with people from around the world and doing it again with you. Uh, when, when I saw that you had your mastermind group, I was just like, hey, you know, can I invite myself in? And you're like, yeah, sure, come on over. And, so and it's cool, been awesome. I remember that. I was, it's just amazing having the bravery to step out and connect with people. I would have never asked you. I think that that's something that I need to address with myself. Like I was here, I was a big fan listening to your program all the time. And I didn't even have the balls to reach out and say, Hey, you know, you'd really fit in with this group. And so I think, you know, it's just another lesson of like doing that stuff that scares you a little bit and, right. and reaching out when you know, you got something good at that time. I knew I had a good group going. It was great that you joined up. So how has it been more difficult for you not having Izzy in the picture now in terms of staying on task and not just 
spending a Netflix Wednesday? You know, how, how do you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on record as saying I'm lazy. The whole accountability thing, it just comes from loving what I do. Like I, I really enjoy it. But yeah, there are some crappy things about running any business that you're like, oh crap, I gotta get this done. Right. And you just get through the, you just get through the drudgery of it. So staying on task for certain things, super easy for me. But staying on task, just the big vision kind of stuff is more difficult because you have to keep yourself completely motivated for the things that are coming down the road. Right. The stuff that you're doing right now that's got to get delivered tomorrow, that's easy to stay on task for. It's like, oh, I got to get a podcast out next week. Bam, got it done, right? Right. But, oh, what, what am I going to do a year from now? I don't have a freaking clue. Right. And I think that's where that whole partner thing really comes in into play because you can really feed off of each other's motivations and desires for something great, especially if you're going the same direction. And Izzy and I, we talked, and, and this isn't like super private or anything, but we had talked where I was like, you know, we work really well together as partners, but if we were on the same page, we would just explode. Right. But we weren't on the same page. And the thing was, is, is he wanted to spend more time with his family and he wanted to spend more time on his business that he had before we formed a brand new business. And I was like, no, I think we should spend a lot more time on this. And since we were going two different directions, he decided to, to bow out. You know, it's so difficult. We have a great thread in the DC about this partnership issue. And, and one of the things that's so critical, even though you and Izzy were obviously had such a great affinity for each other and were feeding off each other's energy and stuff, it really does matter like where your portfolio of businesses is at. If Ian had this whole other business venture that required a lot of his energy, our partnership wouldn't be as effective at all because we'd be at different starting places and we'd have different sets of motivations financially and stuff like that. So I think that's a really critical thing. Here are a couple of things I want to ask you about because you teach and you demonstrate and you're just an absolute expert in the blogosphere about this content-based expertise business model. And it's something that a lot of our audience is involved in, obviously I'm involved in. I'm curious, let's talk a couple of philosophical things. Number one is, okay. I do like this idea that we were talking a lot about there's beginners versus the intermediate market and how to position you know, yourself to attack those. But just something concrete, at what audience size do you think you need to be at in order to start selling things to that audience or start launching things like a membership site? Realistically, if, if someone's at square zero and they wanna go out and start a podcast, at what point do you think that they can turn around and then say, boom, here's the product? How many listeners, how many downloads, how many subscribers? How do you frame that up? The advice I've always given is sell as soon as possible. Because that's what a business does, is sell stuff. If you're doing a podcast or you're doing a blog for fun, well then that's its purpose. Its purpose is not to make money. If you're starting a business and you want to use podcasting or blogging as a marketing arm of your business, then that's great. But you need to get to the selling of something as soon as possible. And I think way too many people in the blogging world, you look at like a lot of this blogging advice, it's all about, hey, you know, here's how to blog for business and blogging for dollars and stuff. And it's the wrong kind of advice because it doesn't go back to the fundamentals of what a business really is, which is you create something of value in it and you exchange it for cold, hard cash. Right. You start getting away from that concept and you are not in a business anymore. 
My concern is that people are so into this idea of teaching to beginners because it's like all the internet marketers are just basically trying to convince people that you don't really need to know that much in order to teach something. And what that creates is these bloggers that never had a successful blog that all of a sudden are, are writing about, well, last Monday I wrote a blog post that had this kind of header and I got 30% extra traffic. That's what they're teaching. Right. And, and this kind of stuff always falls flat on its face. Now, if you're Pat Flynn and you have a huge scale, then yeah, okay, then you can put a Bluehost affiliate link at the end of the post and you're good as gravy. But one of the things about teaching people to be coaches and experts is it's highly undervalued going after intermediate classes of people. Why not teach something at a higher level? Why, why are you always teaching the absolute bare bones minimum stuff? Your thoughts, sir. Okay, uh, going back to question number one. <laughs> okay, there's a lot in that, like the whole beginner's market and, and early in the Foolish Adventure shows, you, if, you, if anyone goes back and listens, you'll hear Izzy talking about stuff and we're having a conversation and it really centers around beginners. And Izzy and I had this discussion, I'm like, dude, you know, I don't want to just talk to beginners because my clients aren't beginners. You know, a lot of these guys have been in business for 10, 15, 20 years, and they've got, as you call it, chops. You know, those, those guys got chops. I'd rather be teaching that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's certain beginner stuff that if somebody's been in an offline business and trying to come into the internet, there's some certain beginner stuff that they need to know, but they really want to know the goods. And when you're teaching the beginner market, there's really no goods to teach. A lot of it's really superficial because if you hit them with the hardcore stuff, it'll blow their minds and they'll quit. Uh So you have to stay away from a lot of that. And then his thing was, oh, we'll teach a bit about the whole, uh, be just enough of an expert so that you can get into your niche. It's because he did that. Right. When he started, he was like getting into the whole video world. And then he said, you know, hey, why don't I start teaching this? Because I've been studying it. I'm like a few months ahead of whoever's just beginning. Right. And it'll help reinforce the concepts in my own head. And if you were to ever see like his early videos and you're like, wow, he's come a long way from those days. And so now he teaches stuff that's really higher level. And so he's got a whole mix of stuff, beginner to a higher level. So in the video world, he's got chops now. And so he can teach the high level stuff. So for advice, like the people who just get into this world, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'll teach you how to do it. Those people are just into the opportunity. What's it called? Uh, Like a carpet bagger. What's a better term, a more modern term? Like an opportunist? I think more sleazy than an opportunist because I think all entrepreneurs are an opportunist. I think it's where you're just like, I'm just going to grab a few quick bucks. I really don't care if I'm lying. I really don't care about whether or not I give true value to the people. If I could just make a few bucks because their own desperation overcomes the, the value that they should be giving to the world. Right. One thing I'm thinking about is that we talk more about this beginner slash intermediate slash expert distinction. Sometimes I wonder if that's actually what it is because there's also like an underlying attitude. A lot of the people that I have issue with don't seem to be genuinely curious about their subject. They seem more interested in just getting attention for whatever links they're putting out or whatever. So maybe it's not so much how much you know, but it's like where your integrity is or where your attitude is. You know what I mean? Because I don't mind beginner content. I love it when I can sense that it's coming from integrity. And integrity to me is 
basing your information on real experiences and real data. That's one thing. Another thing is like that intangible of, does this person really care? Do they really care about this information or are they just trying to build up traffic to some BS blog? Well, it depends on your business model, right? I don't know if I should call out like some of the big blogs out there about blogging, but they they need to keep eyeballs. Mm -hmm. They're going based upon the the traditional media approach get lots of eyeballs and figure out a way to monetize those so a good way to get eyeballs is to throw out as much fluff as you possibly can that has just something catchy about it right and that will bring (laughs) eyeballs you know that's why if you watch the news it's full of crap it's full of this really negative stuff that goes on why because that gets people showing up People don't want to hear about how something nice happened in their neighborhood. What they want to hear about is a natural disaster in someone's country and wiped out 100,000 people. That's what they want to hear about. Right. And a lot of the bloggers for bloggers, more of an industry now because you can't go anywhere online without bloggers giving advice to bloggers. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And it's all the exact same stuff. Write these list posts, write this, do this headline this way. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, this isn't the Dan and Tim Philosophy Corner podcast show. I'm looking at our, our time and this is the LBP where we do <laughs> shit fast. As you guys can probably tell, Tim and I could just go for hours about this stuff. Um, oh, prob- make a part two, cut it in half. and <laughs> Probably would be a much better regular guest on Tropical Talk Radio, which we're working on now to be more of a discussion show because I'm so fascinated by this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. one final concrete thing because I think a lot of people that listen to this show they've probably kicked around the idea of whether or not they should start their own podcast do you still think it's a good opportunity to start podcasts and some basic stuff for people do you think it's a good opportunity still to do podcasting I think digital media is a great opportunity no matter what it is blogging podcasting video it doesn't matter we are in a world where anyone can grab the reins Let me just say something about that. Today, I was looking at my Google Reader, Tim, and it was empty. And it was Wednesday morning, and I had looked at everything. There was nothing left there. And a lot of people think, ah, this is is over. The sun set on this stuff. It hasn't because there's still not enough good publishers out there, people that fill out my entertainment day. There's still not enough Tim Conley's. There's still not enough Sovereign Man's. There's still not enough stuff for me to to listen to and, and to read. So for anybody listening to this out there, if you're all inspired to start a podcast, absolutely encourage you to get out there and put your information out there because I still think that there's huge niches that are not being served. In the entrepreneurial space, that's true too because I don't need another blog that tells me how to make headlines on my blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody with chops to come out there and tell me some real stuff. I think that's the difference, right? You were saying there's not enough. There's tons of stuff out there. There's millions of blogs. Most of them just don't know what in the hell they're talking about. Absolutely. So the people with chops are busy out getting more chops. That's right, Tim. Well, speaking of chops, thank you for doing your podcast. It has inspired me. And it's obvious that it's coming from a place of real experience and integrity. And that's why I've been a fan since way back in the good old days. That's foolishadventure.com. Tim, thanks for joining us on the LBP. I'll see you over at Tropical Talk Radio, I am sure, for some philosophical roundtables. All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
All right, Tim, thanks for taking some of your valuable time to sit down with the LBP listeners. If you guys got questions for Tim, Ian and I got the inside path, man. We'll go right, we'll call him and ask. So thanks again, Tim. Go Everybody go check out foolishadventure.com. I've been listening to Foolish Adventures since way back in the day. Yes, sir. Yeah. They've got just about as many episodes as we do. Started yes. around the same time. Pretty similar kind of show. And so if you love the LBP, you will love Foolish Adventure. Promise you that. Let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks, Funny joke section. I want to suggest that you use the Alfred app for Mac OS and that you disable the Spotlight app. Spotlight app is a slow search. If you take the five minutes to listen to my advice and install Alfred, it inventories your computer and it's basically quick launch. Like when I open up my laptop in the morning for my Mac OS, I can open five applications in two seconds. It's just five minutes of setup and learning, so check out Alfred app. One other thing about Alfred app that's great is that it has a calculator function which copies the solution to your problems onto your clipboard. Yeah. As everybody knows that uses a Mac OS, the one thing that just absolutely sucks is the calculator app. So thank you to the folks behind Alfred app. And it's free. It's free. If you go to this blog post, this is episode 82 of the Lifestyle Business Podcast, check out our quick tutorial on how to use Gmail keyboard shortcuts. I haven't checked it out because it doesn't exist yet, but David promised that he would pull it together for us and our listeners. He told me that we live our lives in our inboxes. Let's be honest. We're in our inboxes. It's true. Hours every day. You got to get good at it. You got to step back and invest in learning those keyboard shortcuts. David just sat me down the other day and said, dude, you'll be amazed at how much more productive you become. And I believe him because I've heard it from a lot of smart people. So let's all collectively go to episode 82 of the Lifestyle Business Podcast and download the top resources and maybe spend 10 to 15 minutes learning those critical keyboard shortcuts. Ian, you've got a black hat internet marketing quick tip. I love the black hat stuff, even though we never would use, we don't use this stuff. No, never. But this is cool. It gives you an insight into how some of the best and the brightest, some of the best and the brightest guys out there, they are the sociopathic, internet marketer, pornography, gambling yeah. dudes. What are they doing? This is a trick that you'd probably see on a porn site or a membership site or something like that. So a problem that you have with PayPal is chargebacks. So if you get a lot of chargebacks, PayPal can potentially flag your account, freeze it, lock you out. It's a sign that you're doing something spammy if you right. have a bunch of chargebacks. So what these guys are doing is this. A lot of times when you check out, you'll see in the checkout, you'll say, okay, product is $97. And then underneath that, they will have another product that's maybe $1. Like put me on the do not call back list. Right. Something like that. So essentially there becomes two items in your box and it can be a very small item, but it's important that there's at least two items in there. So what happens is people ask for a refund, but they don't ask for a refund back on the do not call list $1 thing. Right, they didn't want the 100 bucks back. Right. And so your chargeback ratio improves dramatically. Exactly. And all of a sudden you might as well be selling baby strollers or something. Exactly. One final thing. Emotionally, stylistically, as a person who appreciates quality music, I've been a holdout from electronic music. Oh man, I've been trying to get you on this bandwagon for a while now. I have been, and for anybody else, my songwriters out there, my musicians, if you're still holding out from, there's certain definitely kind of electronica that's super lame, and definitely the scene around it's lame, but some of these house mix that some of the DCers have been putting on my plate, like Nick, Nick Halsum, and you and, and Travis and Simon and, and David and now it's overwhelming. Everybody's turning into a freaking European. I just want to tell the listeners what Dan said last week. This was like seven days ago, seven days ago. <laughs> ago. Have you got on this trance music yet? Have you got on a Dead Mal 5 yet? 
And he goes, no. And I go, everybody in the house is listening to it. And his snarky response was, nobody else in the house is a musician now, are they? I have an open mind. I follow the lark and all the non-musicians were correct. Some of this in particular, I, I've been sort of poking around these genres. House music sort of stands out to me as the most interesting. And man, we've been talking about some of these new tropics. Once we get a little bit yeah. more experience with that, Ian, of course, we're doing a bunch of new tropical things like we're trying to exercise and we're not new tropical, but we're trying to optimize ourselves, drink coffee, drink the green tea, do some exercise. And when you just get settled into one of these jams, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's good stuff. So maybe we'll just play you out with a little bit of one of these. Anyway, guys, why don't you strap in, put those earbuds in or the Dr. Dre beats and go make a cold call. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do.